Welcome to the Men's Leadership Network podcast, where each month we're exploring what it means to be a godly leader in our homes, workplaces, and communities. We want to be a resource for men who are seeking spiritual leadership principles so that they can live and lead differently in all aspects of their life. This initiative is not just about reaching, but equipping men for Christ. As always, listen to the end to hear our guest answer our favorite question, what do you want your legacy to be? And we hope our conversations will help you answer that question yourself and better equip you to pursue it for God's glory. Now this week's episode. Well, hey guys, welcome to Men's Leadership Network Podcast. I am so glad that you're joining in this month. And we are excited because we have a special guest today. But you know, as a church, we're celebrating our 20 years. I can't believe it's been 20 years, but January of 2003, we launched as a church. And here we are in January of 2020. 23 and we started with 15 people in an apartment clubhouse and uh wow what god has done has been incredible and it's all glory to him it's all god but we're joined today by larry adama and larry is not only an incredible friend and mentor in my own life he's been at rolling hills the entire time and so really even before we started so uh larry helped manage uh the project of the music city center and the send amphitheater he's done an incredible things in his own career but I'm so thankful that he's joining us today and the way God's used him to help, you know, build and construct a Rolling Hills Community Church. So you're in for a treat today. So, Larry, thanks for joining us. You're more than welcome. Oh, this is great. So tell us a little bit about your family and your career. I have a son, an older son, a daughter, um, a grandson, and a three surrogate granddaughters. <laughs> Who love you very much. <laughs> that's, that's right. The... Uh, I started my career as an electrician. Mm -hmm. I went to college, didn't do very well. Um, <clears throat> went to work for Mobile Oil and Motorola and went to work for big companies, decided big companies were not for me. Uh, ultimately went to work for a small development company. Later in the late 80s started my own company, which is called Commonwealth Development Group. And we only represent owners to help them build and manage and create unusual or specialty projects. Mm. That's amazing. So you found this niche and you just went after That's it. That's my niche. I love it. I love it. Well, you were in some big companies. I mean, you used to travel the world and Dubai and lived in New York and all over. Uh, but then God kind of gave you a, a real calling. And I love that. Tell me about your faith journey. Tell me about your relationship with the Lord and how that kind of played out. Well, they tell me I started in the nursery at a church. <laughs> My earliest recollections were being at church. Uh, all in our entire family were very committed to church, mm -hmm. to, to giving back, to being involved. It goes back as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I think I've been very fortunate that I've had those kind of relationships over the years. Uh, I'm named after a pastor. I'm named after the pastor that was planted the church my parents went to. Wow. That's amazing. And then you, uh, when you got married, you married uh, Carol, who's your better half by far. Uh, but True. <laughs> <laughs> but when you got married, after the day after your wedding, you guys joined the church and First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas. We did. We All of our families, which... It turned out knew each other, so it was our wedding was more like a big family reunion. Oh, that's awesome! And since we everybody was together, and we wanted to join First Baptist Church, we decided to do it the morning after our wedding, uh, was which happened to be a Sunday, 
And so there we were walking down the aisle and at the big church in Dallas and all of our family was there and we went out to, to eat and had lunch and then we flew to Aspen and had our honeymoon. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I love how Christ has already just been a part of your life and you've been so passionate and such a leader in the church and how God's used you uh, over the years and your heart for mentoring young men, for pouring into even students and, and growing up the next generation. But tell us about career-wise, because you've done some pretty big projects, too. So tell us about the, kind of managing that project, that little little project downtown Nashville, what, Music City Center. That, that wasn't a very big project. No, was it? It, was, <laughs> it was only $1.3 billion <laughs> worth Jeez. of work. But um, I was actually asked three times before I committed to it because I thought it was too big and complicated for me. Um, but 08 was coming, and if you remember, 08 was when the economy started to turn down, and I was losing other projects that I had, and I thought, well, maybe I ought to take this seriously. So I com committed to do it, mm. uh, and it was four years of a lot of work. Uh, those that know me know I love project details, mm. but on that project with 60 architects and engineers and a staff of 14, and, a, and 30 construction managers and a field staff and 7,500 workers, I couldn't spend more than about 10 minutes on any subject. Mm. Uh, and so my primary role became the liaison between the project and the Metropolitan Government of Nashville and the owner of the building, which is the, called the Convention Center Authority. And so that was the, my major focus was to try to figure out how to move this big project forward in a very difficult financial downturn, uh, which turned out to be a great blessing because we could never produce that building today. My biggest moments are three at the end of the job. We finished it a week early. We were $11 million under its original budget, and 30% of the work was done by small women-owned and minority businesses. Wow. That's amazing. That's incredible. You know, you did, a, you did an awesome job on that. I can't even imagine the scope of having to buy all the property downtown and try to, how big is it? I mean, like, it's massive. It sits on a 25-acre site, Music City Center does, uh, and it has a 19-acre roof, the, the building. And people would always come to us, and I'd have to stand in these very contentious meetings and say, how are you going to find 25 acres downtown and build that big building? We'd go, we'll figure it out. <laughs> and, and we did. And, and part of that also was, and, and there, there were he people here in the church that helped me, uh, that worked with me on that, uh, but we moved the substation that powers downtown. We built the Omni Hotel. We expanded the Country Music Hall of Fame. We moved utilities all around downtown um, to make it all work, which is now called the Convention Center Complex. Wow. Man, and then Ascend Amphitheater, and I mean, you've rebuilt half of downtown Nashville. Well, no, but uh, <laughs> we did. We were asked after that, we were asked to do an amphitheater, and, and it was kind of fun because the question really was, what, what does an amphitheater in Music City look like? And so we went around to 25 of the big venues and producers in town and said, what would you want in an amphitheater? Well, we knew we wanted to do it on the river. And we created a design which, that if you look at that building, it's an upside-down barge mm. uh, that, that sits on the, on the top of it. And then we had this crazy idea, which part of the entertainment community thought was good, part of it thought it bad, that we left the back of the building open. So when you're sitting in the audience, the building frames the skyline of downtown. Mm. And then we turned it just slightly so the sound would go down the river. 
Um, and, and, you know, it, it, it was highly successful. It was named the number one venue for the year, the year we opened. And it, it was pretty special. But it's what I love to do, which is create special and unusual projects. I love that. Well, Larry, here, I want to compliment you because I know you love to do that. But I love how you do that in your career, but you do it for the Lord, too. And what I've seen you do through Rolling Hills, and a lot of people, you know, we talk about what God's done, the way God's grown His church at Rolling Hills, and and you've been here from the beginning, and you had this heartbeat for God's church, and you've used your gifts and your talents to help build God's church, and it's been awesome. I mean, it's just been an amazing journey. So I just want to tell you, thank you. You and Carol have been here from the beginning. You were part of that 15 in the clubhouse. What were you thinking back in those days when we were first starting out? Well, as some know, Jeff and I go back a, a fair time. But my earliest recollections of, of, of Rolling Hills, you had five or six of your buddies in ministry at our house for a weekend, and you were all trying to figure out what your next steps were going to be in ministry. And so all around our house were these white, big white sheets, and if you could design a church that was the perfect church, this is what it would look like. And all of you worked on it, much like, I would look at a building and say, what, what could the perfect building look like? Well, I remember, I recall pretty fondly that five of those guys got picked off and went elsewhere, and you were still sitting in Nashville. <laughs> and ultimately, you decided to, to plant a church. <laughs> and we would have many a conversations at night. My, my ultimate favorite one was the night you came and said that I think God is calling me to plant a church. But you had a handful of very large offers to go to other churches in your hand. And I recall saying to you, go pray about it one more time. If in the morning you still think that's what God's calling to do, I'll help for a year. <laughs> the next morning, everyone, Jeff was out at my truck <laughs> saying he's going to plant a church. And I said, are you sure you got this right? Because you're going from a salary a potentially big bucket of salaries to zero <laughs> and you're married now you're about to get married so but watching that evolve has been pretty amazing mm. when you look today back to those early days of you knocking on doors in the clubhouse <laughs> and us having zero money in the bank <laughs> and then we created the bylaws and the operating philosophies for the church and you know all of that still is in place today yeah. which is pretty amazing mm. That's the Lord. I mean, yeah. there's just oh, no it other is. way to explain it. It is. It's, <laughs> it's been incredible. So you say, and I love how you say this, you say, you often say, I never saw miracles until I was a part of Rolling Hills. That's true. Yeah. Um, and we have seen countless miracles. Yeah. I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, we had to have, find a place to meet after we were meeting in the movie theater. The first one was we had our first capital campaign. And there was a wheelbarrow down in front of the theater. And I said to everyone, call me when we've counted the money. And we all assumed that if we could get $250,000, that was going to be a big deal. And they called and said, there's almost a million dollars in that wheelbarrow. And I said, don't mess with me like that. That's just cruel. And there was over a million dollars in that wheelbarrow, which was, you know, unheard of. And there was no one big, large gift. Yeah. Everybody, the kids came down and poured their piggy banks. You could hear the, the money clicking against the metal of the wheelbarrow. And that's forever been in, in my vision that that's, that started. 
moving forward, you know, we, we had to find a place to meet. Uh, the theater was at four or five years. Mm-hmm. We never had a lease. The fact that we were there the whole time partly attested to Jeff's ability to maneuver the theater company and the managers that they had at the time. But any, on any Sunday, we could be kicked out. And we never were. And so we started to look at places, and we had great ideas and big, big vision. But we couldn't find a place that we could afford. We found the warehouse in Franklin. It had a price tag of $6.9 million, and we had $6,000 in the bank. And I'm, I was authorized by the church to sign that, that contract. My theory was, what do we got to lose? <laughs> you know, um, God, what God had in mind was, was a bigger idea. So we went to nine banks in one day. Eight of them promptly said, thanks for coming to the bank. <laughs> and you could tell by the look on their face, they had no interest in helping us come up with the rest of the money that we needed to not only buy the building, but to outfit the building. So we had this brilliant idea. And it was to go to the seller and say, if you'll give us a contribution of $900,000 that we can put toward the building, we'll buy your building. But you've got to help make a contribution to it. And miraculously, he did. Um, we went back to the one bank that didn't turn us down. Weeks later, after we raised the million dollars, and they said, well, I'm glad you called because we're one signature away from having a loan commitment for this building. And by, you know, when you look back, by every stretch of the financial imagination, they should have never said yes. And not only did they lend us the money, when we got close to being done, we didn't have enough money after we built out the three primary leases uh, to outfit the building, and they lent us another million dollars, roughly. And so, you know, you look back at all those big milestones, uh, and it was incredible. When we moved into this building, we barely ha- had enough to start going. And we, we got a few offices, we built the first 10 classrooms, and an auditorium. And we couldn't, we were out of money. And so we got all the used sound equipment we could find. We went around to every carpet company in Nashville and said, Let's give us your scrap. Uh, floor tiles, and I think we just took up the last floor of those floor <laughs> tiles, and that's how we got started. Yeah. And everybody pitched in and made it happen. Yeah. It, it, it was incredible. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you're just watching God do miracle after miracle after miracle, you know? Changed my life. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Uh, I remember walking in, Larry, with you in, in this building, 146,000 square feet, and it was just clear span. I mean, there was nothing in here. And I'm just thinking, what in the world? And you had this vision. You just, you could see that, you know, you just, you saw where everything needed to go and this master plan in your mind. And we're still seeing it come to fruition today. Yeah. Well, it's funny to look at that. That master plan was really a napkin, but was really driven <laughs> by where the tenants wanted to go. Yeah. And we thought, it's going to leave us right in the middle of the building. When you look at it, God had a plan because we grew from the middle out. To the, to the outer edges, and we're still doing that. But as we look forward to, to the next master plan, which we're currently working on, you know, this provides an incredible base. And then, and then the other big miracle occurred when the land next to us <laughs> became available. 28 acres, we got 14 here uh, under the current building, and it came available, and we said, we gotta buy it because it's next to us. We'll need the land. Um, but we had no idea how to do it, and we had this 
really fun, creative banker who told me to go to closing, buy the land, and then to call him and he would wire the money. And it drove me crazy how he could do that when we had gone to all these other mm -hmm. banks and they said, you got to have 20 or 25 percent down. Mm -hmm. And this banker said, just I'll wire the money. Drove me crazy for years. Finally, I went to him and I said, how did you do that? And he said, well, some of us have been banking a long time and there's a lot of rules. But then again, there's some ways around the rule. And he had figured out that because of the equity we had created in the warehouse building, he could apply that to our equity to buy the 28 acres. And now, that's been many years, but now we're just now breaking into that. It's where the playground and the parking lot are going. Uh, and so we've got a place to grow the church, which, you know, when people find out we've got 40 acres in downtown Franklin, <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty remarkable. It's incredible. I mean, really. I mean, it's only God. I mean, there's no way oh, you can explain. You can't it. script this stuff. <laughs> I love it. I mean, 15 people in a apartment clubhouse, no money, no staff, and no building, and mm. God just goes, "Watch this," you yeah. know. I, I love it. Well, you had great vision too to to, to help craft how we were going to get there. Well, God, yeah, it's been fun. But the whole thing with the leases too, and God just goes, "I'll give you three leases, and they'll help pay the mortgage on the building." Yeah. You know, like like. You, it's just been a God story. Well, Larry, God's used you in an incredible way, obviously, in there. I mean, we call you the Godfather around here at Rolling Hills, you know. <laughs> but you love not only building and managing and project managing. I mean, you, you get that and you love that. But you also love pouring into men. You know, you have this heartbeat for the men who come behind you. It, talk about that. Where did that come from? Well, I, I was, I've had a very fortunate experience over the course of my life. I've had a mentor for 54 years, mm. from age 17 to 69. Wow. Uh, he's since died in the last two or three years. But I was an electrician in his dairy processing plant. And all the steps along the way, get, he got me to go to college. I didn't want to go to college. Mm. He, he stood by me the whole time. For 20 years, I managed all of his real estate assets. Mm. But all of his grandchildren from preschool through their doctorate, some of them, in, in what we managed for him. And so, I mean, it is an incredibly valuable piece of my past that Peter and I had this relationship. And he wasn't a man of, of Christian faith. He was a Jewish faith, but he had strong ethics and strong beliefs. Uh, we were absolutely diametrically opposed politically. <laughs> and we would have these great political debates but there were always respectful debates. Mm -hmm. And he could put his position on the table. Like the cool part is we talked every week, twice a week, mm. for nearly 54 years. And you know to have that relationship with somebody who was always there when I needed to run an idea by them, who was there to encourage. And the coolest thing, and it bothered me for a long time, that he, if I didn't follow his advice, usually I wished I had. And second part of that, but he never said anything except how did it turn out? Mm. And so it drove me crazy for years. I finally went to him one time, maybe 10 years ago, and I said, Peter, there's nobody that's had the same mentor for, for as long as you and I have been together. And I said, why is that? And I was struggling with what the answer was. And he looked at me and he said, without hardly thinking, we expect nothing from each other. Mm. All I want is a relationship. Mm. 
So I think I feel a strong compulsion to pass that same experience forward. Mm. And truth be told, I, I love watching young adults get started in business, find their passion, move on. Your senior uh, minister, you know, I don't particularly like hanging out with old people. <laughs> so it's no secret. But I love hanging out with young adults mm-hmm. because they're a lot more fun, at least for me. And so we can uh, we we can encourage them. I lo- I love to challenge them to be the best they can, to be great husbands and fathers, mm-hmm. to find a passion and business that they they really can can get behind because it's no fun if you if you're not passionate about something mm. and then a, a number of them that you know they would sit on the back porch much like yeah. you did Jeff you know and and we crafted how they would create a company and they're mm. doing they're well and that's fun to watch yeah. now they're they're growing up and i think the other thing that i have always been intrigued by is what it keep, takes to keep a pipeline going in the church mm. you look at so many churches they they age out, mm-hmm. and you look they're they're down to a handful of older people. So, my my passion has become, you know, we helped a whole group of guys that were in their twenties, but they're all now in their forties. Mm-hmm. So where are the next group of twenties coming from? Mm-hmm. And so they're you know we're, I, I love to work with them, and and, and you don't it's not hard. Mm-hmm. You got to listen and be there and, and encourage. But that's that would be my my goal was to watch people find their passion, do good with their families, give back, be involved in the church. Wow. I love that. And that is such biblical truth right there, uh, Larry, because every one of us, you know, we need a Paul in our lives, right? And then we need a Timothy. We need, we need somebody who's mentoring us, somebody who's poured into us. And then we need somebody that we're pouring into. And I think a lot of guys just don't, you know, we get busy. We're trying to do our own thing. We put our head down. Then we wake up and we're alone. And man, that's where we get in trouble. And so being at church and finding, you know, a mentor, somebody who will be there for you, uh, but then not making it about you, turn around and invite somebody with you. You know what I love about you? I remember we went on that men's retreat. Do you remember this? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we were on that men's retreat from church, and we were pairing people up with mentors. And you and a guy, Patrick Holcomb, said, we're not going to do this. <laughs> I, I was had a bad attitude about it, and so did Patrick. <laughs> and you were the only two at the end, and you were like, well, I guess I'm with you, man. <laughs> And I said, I remember saying, I'm going to take you for the obligatory dinner, get to know you. And then I'm, to myself, I said, I'm never going to deal with him again. And now, <laughs> now we've been working together for nearly 18 years. <laughs> so. but you hired him on Music City Center. Yeah, helped, and then helped him start a whole construction company. Their first project was building the baptistry here at Rolling Hills. Yeah. And now they're flourishing. They're yeah. building it half of downtown. Yeah. Which is one of my... Miracle story. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. Oh, man. So what, would, what advice would you have to younger men who are listening today? Find your passion. Mm. Work. Be as good a father, husband as mm. you can be. Mm. Press forward. Find people to give back to and pour into. Wow. It's not all about you. Mm. Wow. Why do you think? Why do you think younger guys make it all about them? What do you think is the thing? I think cultural part of it's our culture. Really? You know, we don't we, we we don't nearly spend as much time with each other. 
as as we used to, mm-hmm. you know, because there's so many other things to do and other distractions. Being being a father is far more complicated, I think, than it used to be, because mm. there's far more things to do, um, and you know, it, it, for whatever reason, it's part of our culture. Mm. I'm not saying it's right, but I think you have to be extraordinarily intentional about picking your priorities and staying with them. Mm. Wow, that that's good, man. It's hard to be intentional all day, man. That is, that's good. So, what do you think? Every guy listening today should be involved in church. Why do you think it's important? I mean, you've been here 20 years. Yeah, and, and I, I, it, irrespective of the church. Right. I tell a lot of people in a week, particularly as we watch now people that we've known that are starting to have kids and they're coming up, they can't do it alone. Mm. Church, church is your support network. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be simple. It's going to be messy. Mm. Uh, but when you've got this big support group around you uh, that somebody has probably been already been through it, mm-hmm. somebody knows, uh, knows somebody that's been through it, you know, and just having a place where your kids can express themselves in a positive way, and then you can, you and your spouse or whatever can, can find places to give back, and I think when we give back, that reward is much greater than, than, than taking. Mm. That is so true. You know, and, and here's what I love. It, you know, everybody has a gift, right? Every guy, listen, we all have a gift. And, and, and not all of us can stand on stage and preach or sing. I mean, I can't sing, you know. And, and but, I can't preach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you're and, doing a good job right now. If, if, <laughs> if I did, he'd cl- turn the microphone off. <laughs> You know, but you've got this gift of managing and projects and building and how God in his grace and sovereignty when, you know, we're starting Rolling Hills and he's like, hey, it's not just pastors. You know, he he was calling you as much as he was calling me, you know, and that's really cool. You know, and and it is. And and I, you know, everybody asked me why I'm not involved in this church program or that church program. My my passion and I think probably what I'm best at was the organizational side, getting the legal foundation right. You know, getting our financial foundation right, uh, and then you know, providing the best facilities we could, whether we had a little bit of money or a lot of money. Yeah. You know, but trying to get that right. Mm. And that's—I mean—that is incredible. And I think that's where so many churches miss it because you know you need the great financial structure. You need guys who are really good in business and guys who are really good at you know teaching or guys who are good at coaching or leading or discipling you know everybody's got a gift in in getting into that role and not thinking hey well i can't use my gift at church i use it at my workplace no you can and and you can do great things uh for god's kingdom i think that's so good so what what are you what are you excited about and what are you praying about as we go forward as a church as we move at particularly at franklin into yeah. next steps if you if you study the master plan which i think everybody's going to get an opportunity to do next year mm. Um, they're big steps. They're bigger steps than we've ever taken before. Mm. Uh, and it's financially, organizationally, facility-wise, those are going to be big, challenging steps. And some of those steps, we're going to have to take several at the same time. And so if we add on to space or we grow space, we've, because of all the municipal rules, we're going to have to add parking. We're going to have to add utility capacity. So it all kind of comes together, you know, in our, in our next steps. I think that 
is probably more minutiae than the average person is going to want to know. Uh, but it's, a, it's an important piece as we put the puzzle together. Uh, and then as we expand in, in, in campuses, managerially, logistically, financially, all those become more people, more things, mm -hmm. more facilities that got to be rebuilt or constructed. Um, and so those are, those are the next step. And if you can't tell, that, that's where my focus is. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people in my mind that can do the ministry side. Yeah. There's only a handful of us that want to do the, 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 the things that aren't seen in yeah. the facility side. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, I'm one of those that like to do that. Yeah. And you're great at it. I mean, it, it's going to be an unbelievable year. I mean, as we're launching into 2023, you think just in a couple of weeks, we're going to have the 20-year celebration at the Ryman. Which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Seems like we were still sitting on the back porch talking about. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, how do we get here? But praise the Lord. And it's going to be awesome. And then right after that, we're going to open the Nolensville building, which is a miracle in itself. I mean, God gave us the land, and then you kind of helped project manage that whole building and it's going to be exciting to open Nolansville. Uh, wow. And, uh, and then turn around in Columbia, having a new location there, which is going to be awesome. I mean, what's happening in Nashville, we'll be putting a playground and redoing some things down there and just some exciting things that are happening in Nashville. And then Haywood Hills coming online and what's going to happen there with the church and then even ministry that's going to happen in that area. And then, as you mentioned, Franklin, you know, I mean, we're seeing in Williamson County that the population is going to double in the next, you know, 20 years. So already we're full, but having more people and coming to know Christ and lives being changed. And, and it's exciting. I mean, it is exciting. So, so what would you be praying for for us as a church as we go forward? That we can grab the vision and, and be able to hang on to it as we raise funds, as we look to the next steps. Uh, not only in facilities, but in ministry, because we learned early on in this process that the church is not the building. Right. The church is the people that occupy the buildings. The building just becomes a tool. Wow. That is so well And that said. was really hard for me to learn because <laughs> I'm all about the building. <laughs> They're the bricks and sticks. Oh, <laughs> uh, Well, uh, I want to say just thank you. You know, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. No, everybody at Rolling Hills would say the same because God has used you in an incredible way. I think if you look back at the Old Testament, you know, when they were building the temple and David had this vision and Solomon comes along. But if you notice, there was builders who came in who were those lead architects, those lead project managers, and they involved the whole community in building and everybody had a part to play. But they were the ones who organized. And that's the gift that God's given you. And you've used it not only in your career, and God's done great things through you in Nashville and all over in Spring Hill. But but you've used it for God's church. And so I just want to say thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. So It's been a fun journey. It has, hasn't it? <laughs> and it gets more fun all the time. <laughs> all right, one last question. What do you want your legacy to be? My least favorite question. I'll be, I'll be honest. Because uh, I, I don't like to look back. Mm, you don't. I, I, want, I always want to look forward. But I think if I had to summarize it, I would like to be known for somebody that worked hard for his family, tried to do good, mm. tried to bring some others along, um, and then moved on. <laughs> and then moved on. I love that. Yeah. I mean, because eventually we all will, right? You know, it's what we leave behind for the that's glory right. of God that's right. going to impact. Larry, this has been awesome. Thank you. Thanks for 
sharing your heart, sharing the stories, and sharing your life. And I love you, my friend, and I'm thankful for you. So, Likewise. Uh, well, let me pray for us right now. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for this challenge and this encouragement. Thank you for Larry. Father, thank you for his heart for you. Thank you for the way that God, he's used his gifts uh, to build your church. And um, God, just the legacy of so many people are going to be impacted. And people never know his name many times or my name. or But God, we don't want people to remember our names. We want people to remember you. And you're the one who transforms hearts and lives. And so thank you for all you're doing. Thank you for every man who's listening right now. I pray a blessing on them. I pray that we would be incredible husbands and fathers and men after your heart. And so thank you for all you're doing in our lives. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Oh, guys, thanks so much for listening today. What an encouragement. What a powerful testimony of faith. And I pray for all of us, man, that we will jump in at this time in our lives and we'll begin to invest in God's church and building God's kingdom and being the husbands and fathers God created us to be. Hey, be watching every Friday for the man minute that comes out and a way for you to process and a way for you to put this into place. And I pray your 2023 will be your best year yet. I really do. I pray that you grow spiritually more than you ever have and grow in your family and in your leadership. And you find that place, like Larry was talking about, of your passion. And you get into that passion and you grow deep and you make a significant difference for the glory of God. Hey, love serving God with each of you. Have a great week. God bless. You've been listening to the Men's Leadership Network podcast. We pray what you've learned today will be helpful as you strive to become a better leader in your home, workplace, and community. As always, if you were impacted by today's podcast, we'll hope you'll subscribe, comment, and share this podcast with your friends. And be sure to join our email list to make sure you never miss an episode. You can do that now and find all of our past episodes at mensleadershipnetwork.com. We'll be back with a new episode on the first Monday of every month. Thanks for listening.